All right, take your Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. We began this chapter last week. I mentioned how it's important we get all we can from this chapter because this is where it all went wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And many people want to blame God for the problems in this world when it was mankind's fault. And we'll see that played out in this chapter. Let's begin this morning by reading verses 1 through 8 of Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, and your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Amen. So last week we discussed the subtlety of Satan. He's crafty. He's cunning. He's a deceiver. Jesus said of Satan that from the beginning he abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan packages sin in a desirable package, desirable wrapper. He doesn't disclose what the end result of that temptation is going to yield. He only shows the pleasure of sin, not the consequence for sin. We also considered how Satan wants us to doubt the Word of God by adding to, subtracting from, making substitutions. Satan manipulates the Word of God. He's on an all-out attack on the Word of God because this is how we learn of our Savior. Amen. You've been born again, not with corruptible seed, but with incorruptible seed by the Word of God. And so we considered how Eve misquoted God's Word. She added to the command God never gave. She must have received that from Adam because Adam received the command from God Before Eve was ever created, Adam was the one entrusted with God's Word to communicate that accurately to his wife, and he added to it, we can understand the rationale of don't touch it. It makes sense in our minds. It's logical sense, and no doubt his intentions were good, but by adding to the Word of God, he still corrupted the Word of God. God never said not to touch it. Amen. He he did say don't eat of it. So God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden to dress and and keep the garden, which it would require being able to touch all of the plant life in the garden. Therefore, Adam could not fulfill God's purpose entirely by never touching this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I can imagine that once Eve did reach out and touch that tree and she realized she wasn't going to die from touching it, Well, maybe the rest was a lie too, and I can go ahead and eat of this, and maybe Satan's on to something here. 
But the bottom line is, there are dangers when we tamper with the Word of God. Just let the Word of God speak. Don't add to, don't take away, and don't substitute. We need to teach and preach the Word of God exactly as God has given it. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. So as we begin today, I want to revisit that thought. I got hung up on this. I read you eight verses thinking we would get further, but we're just going to look at neither shall you touch it. Amen. Here's this, this phrase that has been added to the command of God not to touch this tree. And all I'm going to do is I'm just going to make an application. We're not uh, interpreting here. I'm just making an application. Don't come to me afterwards and talk doctrine to me, okay? We're just making an application. All right. (laughs) Now, I think God just wanted us to say more from our theme from Sunday night. If you were here Sunday night, we talked about what real ministry is. We're going to kind of continue that theme here. Uh, unintentionally, but I I just feel like this is what God once said. And let me first give you this disclaimer and be clear that there is definitely wisdom in avoiding certain people, certain activities, and certain things. We are called to be a holy people. And obviously there are things we ought to avoid at all costs. In raising children, there are people they are not ready to deal with. There are situations they are not ready to deal with. There are things and choices they are not ready to process. This is why I despise how some public schools are forcing upon our very young children complicated decisions about gender and sexuality that they're simply not ready to process. As parents, you should know your child well enough to know what they can handle and when. The same is true for adults, though. There are... There are things that some adults can handle that others can't. We're all at different growth points. But hopefully as adults, we have come to the point where we understand our weaknesses well enough to know what to do with the situations we're confronted with. And we should be strong enough and we should be humble enough to admit our weaknesses and be able to make wise decisions when we are confronted with sin that is out there, things Decisions that would protect us accordingly. For example, the first time I was stationed in in Mississippi, there in Biloxi, our church at the time was going to Mardi Gras to do outreach. And I went to my pastor and I said, I know my weaknesses and I don't need to go. Now, some of you, you may think as a pastor I should be better than that. Maybe you're right. There's a reason why I don't go to Sturgis and hand out stuff. I know my flesh and I don't need to see theirs. Now, some people can handle it. You can put me at a bar and I'll order sweet tea and never be tempted to drink a a sip of alcohol. I mean, we all have different things that we're tempted with. We all have a besetting sin, I believe. But I'm simply saying be be strong enough and swallow your pride a little bit and be able to admit, no, I, I I can't do that. So what I'm saying is there are things that you have to stay away from because you know your flesh well enough. So don't misunderstand what it is I'm about to try to communicate to you this morning. I know there are times for avoidance. But I do want to try to communicate, we need to learn how to deal with everyday situations in our life. We have to teach our children to do the same. And therefore, the answer isn't always avoidance. Now, I agree, we should do our very best to abstain from the appearance of evil. This is in the Bible. We should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. 
we are to be a separated people. I get that. There are things in this life we are to absolutely avoid because the Bible says so. But when the Bible speaks of being separate, a separated people, the Bible is telling us we are not to be partakers of someone else's wickedness. When the Bible says have no fellowship, it means have no partnership. Don't yoke up with them. Ephesians 5, 7 says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, or don't join in with their sinfulness. But I want you to understand, we are not being instructed in the Bible to avoid sinful people altogether. Even in Proverbs 4, verses 14 and 15, where we read this, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. The the meaning there is that you avoid the wicked path and their way of life by avoiding their sinful situations. Are you following me so far? So, there are sinful people all around us. Even in church. I believe we should avoid sinners while they are actively participating in their sinfulness. The Bible does say don't keep company with them. But we need to realize this morning that to avoid the sinner altogether would be to disobey trying to reach them with the gospel. Adam would have been in disobedience by never tending to and dressing this tree. We would be in disobedience if all we do is throw up the wall and say we can't can't reach you. And so we're not commanded to avoid them altogether. We're commanded not to be partakers of their sinfulness and their lifestyle. Eating from the tree was going to bring death. And I know some preachers, they'll say, you know, wow, what was Eve doing hanging around the tree to begin with? Okay, I understand that application, whatever. But I'm going to give you a different application, amen. Remember, there's no command not to touch it. There was no command not to hang around it. There was no command that you couldn't be, you know, inside of it. And so to avoid that altogether would be to be in disobedience, not tending to it as God said. And so because this would bring death, obviously nobody was to partake of it. Right? You're not to partake of the lifestyle. He wasn't to be, Adam wasn't to be identified with the sin it represented or the way of life it would lead to if he did partake of it. But he was to minister to it. He was to serve it, this tree, by keeping it and dressing it. Here's what I'm getting at. Adam and Eve had to learn to deal with that tree being in their midst. They didn't need avoidance, but they needed God's wisdom. Now Adam felt the best way to deal with this is just to avoid the thing altogether. So he says, neither shall we touch it. And of course, Eve adopted that. And many people are applying this way of thinking in their own life and ministry. And so their immediate response is avoid. But that's often a reaction and it's not always the proper action. Sometimes people are well-intentioned by giving the command to avoid. But they are often forsaking the lesson of learning to deal with sinful people, problems, and temptations in their life. So someone does you wrong and you just go with the command of, I'm just not going to mess with them. I don't want anything to do with them. 
Why? Is it your flesh? Is everybody with me? I mean, it, it, or is it just getting real in here? I don't know what's happening, but there's a funky spirit moving in. Listen, and so the knee-jerk reaction is just, ah, just, just avoid it. In reality, we need to learn to deal with it because it's there. It's in the midst of our garden. It's in our life. You may, you may know this one over here is a bad influence, and so you say, you know what, just avoid. Just stay away from. Yeah, there are some bad trees out there, but you're not always going to be able to avoid them altogether. You don't have to eat from their way of life but you can at least try to touch their life and minister to their needs. And so what do we need? We need discernment. We need God's wisdom on how to behave and what to do. There are going to be temptations in life. And we have to learn how to interact with those we know aren't the best influence. Since moving up here, I've learned what cold is. <laughs> Definitely when we moved to Minot, North Dakota. Amen, Mitchells? I'll never forget, Adam said, when you get to Minot, it's going to feel like the Bahamas down here in Rapid City. And I thought, it can't be that much colder. It is that much colder. Why not Minot? Freezing's the reason. And so we got up to Minot, and I really learned what cold was. Now, I'm coming from Georgia. So when we moved up here from, actually, we were stationed in Biloxi when we moved up here. So we went from uh, hot weather all year round to all of a sudden, we, <laughs> i got to tell you this now. So we PCSed up here the first week of June of 2001, and we packed all of our coats. It's June. Packed all of our winter gear. I think I had a long sleeve T-shirt or something silly. And we started heading up to Rapid City, South Dakota. And we got here on June the 3rd, and wind chills were in the 30s. Now, we're coming from the Gulf Coast. Wind chills are in the 30s. The wind's howling. It held on us like the first three you know, days we were here. The fog was so thick for days we couldn't even see the Black Hills. That's the whole reason I wanted to be up here. I'm like, where's the Black Hills? And it was just miserable. It was cold. But when I got up here, I, I learned what cold really is. And then I went to North Dakota. I was like, okay, that's really cold. Now, why am I telling you this? Um, I have an illustration here. <laughs> when you live in Minot, you can't teach your family just to avoid the cold. Because it's there whether you like it or not. And so what you do is you say, let's insulate against the cold. But we're not going to isolate from the cold. Could you imagine living in South Dakota and saying, you got to avoid the wind? No, it's here. Amen, it's here. People move up here and the main reason they move away is the wind. You can't avoid it. You deal with it. Somebody say amen. You, you deal with it. This tree, it was before them every day. We don't know how long they were in the garden before they partook of it. Some people think it was right away. Listen, it could have been 100 years. We don't know. But every day, they're living in this garden, and in the midst of that garden is this tree that God said, don't eat from it. Every day. The tree could not be avoided entirely because it was in plain sight. And if they're going to stay in a right relationship with God, then they had to learn to deal with this tree being there in their life. Someone rightly said this, Brother Long, the ministry would be easy without people. And that's true. But we can't avoid people. We have to deal with them. 
And if we do ministry right, then there will be some in our midst who still aren't the best influences to be around. Because we're always going to be reaching the lost and the backslidden. Listen, we're not going to have a tree full of exact perfect, or a garden full of exact perfect trees here at Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. There's going to be differences. There are trees in our midst that we maybe can't partake of yet. But we still need to minister to them. As pastor, I have observed now how there are other pastors who just don't want to deal with people with any baggage. And, and they'll do so under the guise of separation and holiness. Because we're so holy, because we're so separated, we can't have you here. I've seen it. In reality, they're saying, because of your past, or maybe even because of your current situation, we can't tend to you. And God is over, over there saying, I never told you not to touch them. That is a command you added. God said, I told you not to partake of their lifestyle. Not to become part of their sinful life and their decisions. We've had several come here because their former church ostracized them because they found out something about their past. And there are others who are afraid to get close to another independent Baptist church because of how some pious congregation treated them. It is a shame. And God condemned this kind of attitude in Isaiah 65, 5 by bringing, up, uh, bringing attention to those who say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. They are smoke in my nose and a fire that burneth all day. God does not want us acting holier than thou. And I've got news for those here this morning who think you're the perfect example of a Christian. You had a past too. You had a sin that needed to be forgiven too. You had a Savior who needed to die for you too. You say, well, I didn't do that. You are still wicked. Or else Jesus wouldn't have had to die for you. God hasn't called us to avoid the needy. Now, I understand not all can join our church just yet. Not all can partake of the Lord's table with us just yet. Amen? I mean, that's reserved for certain people. Those who are saved. And so I understand all of that. But as far as I'm concerned, all are welcome to attend here. So long as they're not trying to propagate a false doctrine and drag people away. At that point, i got to step in and say, you got to cut that out. And I've gladly welcomed them in. Well, this has caused some of those pastors to say, you know why Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is growing is only because they take in rebels. I say, yep. We got just as many hypocrites as you do. We'll slide over and make another seat for them. Yep, we, we, we've got the hypocrites, we've got the sinners. The difference is we don't run them off thinking we're somehow better than them. I say with Joseph Hart, he wrote the hymn, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy in 1759. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Amen. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. 
Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. My point is, this forbidden tree was in their midst. It's not going anywhere. It's taken root. And, and so avoidance here isn't the answer. What they needed to learn was how to deal with this tree without succumbing to the temptations. And we now live in a day when sin is all around us. There are many forbidden trees out there, but they still need tending to. They still need to be ministered to. They need someone who can touch them with the care of our Master. There for a while the buzzword was boycott. Let's boycott everything. What good did that do? Listen, if you're a boycotter, do your thing. Okay, I'm not against you. I remember there for a while it was all about boycotting Target because of their bathroom policy. Well, then you better boycott every company that sells within that store. Because all of those companies are complicit. It just never made sense to me. You, you can't boycott your way out of the mess our country is in. If I remember correctly, when President Obama was, was in the White House, he lit it up in rainbow colors in support of the homosexual movement. You might as well just boycott America. Well, this is going good. Um, but where are you going to go? There's nowhere left to go. There is no new world. I'm just saying there's trees out there and we just need to go ahead and recognize they're here. Listen, children with attitudes and rebellious hearts, they're here. They're not going anywhere. But they need tending to. There's bitter people. There's hurting people. There are confused people. Addictions are here. Homosexuality is here. Transgenderism is here. Who's going to tend to them? We can't avoid these issues any longer. I'll tell you where the last generation of our movement messed up was they had the mindset that nobody in that could be saved. And so the answer was avoid. Where does the Bible say that? Listen, you don't have to be partakers of their sinfulness. You don't have to adopt the ways of a wicked society. But you can try to reach them with Christ. Let me give you something to think about. Jesus was sinless, but it wasn't from avoiding sinners. Matthew 9, 10 through 13, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with Him and His disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto His disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, He said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus never avoided the sinners. But He tried to reach them so much that He was called a friend of publicans and sinners. The Bible says right after that statement, but wisdom is justified of her children. Jesus, who is wisdom, makes a difference in people's lives. When Christ went to Zacchaeus' house, the Bible says, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that He was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. I know why that person's going over there to that church. 
Because they're going to have a sinner over for supper. Yep. That's what Jesus did. But we've been called to holiness and separation. Yep, but not avoidance. Luke 15, 1-3, Then drew near unto Him all the publicans and sinners for to hear Him. I'll let them draw in all day to hear. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And then Jesus, right after, He gave the three parables. The one, well, He gave a lot of parables, but in that chapter, He gave three parables. One was the, was the shepherd who went to go seek the one that was lost out of the hundred. Rejoiced when He found it. The other was the lady who had the ten coins, lost one, rejoiced when she found it. And the last was the prodigal son, rejoiced when he came home. Our Lord didn't treat sinners like the Pharisee did. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank Thee that I'm not like as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Listen, Jesus was trying to reach people with the gospel. You understand? He he ministered to the woman who was taken in adultery. And I've seen it. Church say, you can't be here because you have this past or you committed this sin. What did Jesus do? He ministered to her. He didn't condemn her. There's a time for counsel. There's a time for... I understand all that. But Jesus ministered unto this woman. He ministered to the woman who had an issue of blood. And according to the law, she was unclean. And He ministered to her. Jesus ministered to the lepers. They were unclean by the law. Don't touch them. Don't don't be in their presence. they got to separate. And Jesus said, I'm going to minister to them. He reached out and touched the unclean. He ministered to Mary Magdalene who had a very checkered past. He ministered to the woman at the well who had a sinful past and was still living in sin. Jesus ministered to Saul of Tarsus and he was a murderer. He humbled himself and he washed the disciples' feet, taking that filth upon him. Why? Because Jesus removes all sin. We sing the hymn, Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Jesus, what a friend of sinners. Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me. Foes may assail me. He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah! What a Savior. Hallelujah! What a friend. Saving, keep helping, keeping, loving. <laughs> he is with me to the end. I don't know why they do that little. Lord. All right. Uh, where am I at? And listen, you better be glad Jesus hangs out with sinners or else He wouldn't hang out with you. As far as I can tell, the only people Jesus railed on was the religious crowd. Woe unto you, ye scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Jesus never avoided sinners. But He also never partook of their sinfulness. Likewise, we are not to avoid sinners. But we are to have compassion upon them. We can avoid their wicked lifestyle without avoiding them altogether. So by way of application this morning, there are trees in the midst of our garden 
that we know we cannot partake of. But the answer isn't to say, neither shall you touch it. God wants us to tend to them without being partakers with them. He wants us to minister to the hurting. He wants us to minister to the sinner. We aren't to shy away from calling sin, sin. But we are to minister to those in our life that other people are saying, don't don't touch them. It's too much trouble, there's too much baggage, there's too much sinfulness. The answer is not avoidance in every situation. Aren't you glad God reached out to you? Aren't you glad He ministered to your needs? Aren't you glad He didn't avoid you when you weren't desirable? God could not partake with our sinfulness, so He sent Christ to bleed and die for our sinfulness. Matthew 20, 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Jesus came to where you were. He met our need. Hallelujah. In closing, there's trees... There's trees among us whether we like it or not. And we may not can partake of them, but let's not avoid them. Because if we avoid them altogether, we're not fulfilling our purpose to reach them with the gospel. We have to reach them. We have to try. We have to share Christ. So who is it God is calling you to reach out to today? Don't forsake them. Don't add the commandment, neither shall we touch it. God never said that. So my prayer is we'll reach all that we can while we can. Who knows when the Lord will return. And their only hope out there is our Lord Jesus Christ. And He's entrusted us to give them that message. Let's pray.